0: What any apologies? From, sir,
1: uh, from the standing committee on appropriations, we received apologies from Ms. Langwini and Ms. Slanyana. Thank, thank you. Thank
2: you
3: very. Thank you very much. Uh, is there, uh, Alan?
4: Uh, good afternoon, uh, Mr. Butlezi. From the standing committee on finance, we haven't received any apologies.
2: Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I
3: I I know, uh, Honourable. Uh, hello, uh, I I I. Honourable Masangai, the Chair of uh, Standing Committee on Finance, um, is trying to 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 connect. So it's, it's part of, of, of the meeting. We'll be co-chairing the the meeting. Uh, Honourable Minister, I think uh, without uh, uh, the waste of time. As I said, you are very much welcome. Deputy Minister DG and the whole National Treasury team, uh, please take us through uh, what you'd like to share with us obviously, with the budget yesterday. And, and then after that, we'll allow the oral members to interact with your presentation.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Honorable Minister. Um, thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. And honorable members, thank you for this opportunity. We did uh, present yesterday, the budget and the team is going to take you through Um, uh, the presentation which has been prepared, which Edgar will present. I just want to make some few observations. Uh, to preface that presentation. And we have been operating under difficult times. Uh, But the fact that we've had a higher than expected revenue has been able to give us space, but not much space. Uh, I did indicate that we've also, in the adjustment estimate last year, after the Kaiser uh, case and 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 Hauden unrest came to Parliament, uh, and, and 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 took from some of the 182. Uh, we have also added in the current adjustment estimate another seven billion uh, to support Sazria. In line with that, uh, um, we make the point that despite all of those things, we continue, and we've also uh, put some of the amounts in order to uh, reduce the deficit uh, uh, as part of our a debt strategy. Uh, by and large, as we've indicated, the budget is striking that delicate balance of fiscal sustainability, economic growth, and supporting lives and 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 income support. That's the delicate balance. It also attempts to strengthen the fight against crime. uh, Against crime. Um, and we have highlighted some of those uh, 87%, um, 8.7 billion uh, to the police, one billion to the Department of Justice and, and the Chief Office of the Chief Justice. We, we are also saying almost 60%, which is 59 of non-interest spending, is going through the social wage number of areas covered there in order yeah, to deal with the needs of poor people and vulnerable. On the tax side we' as part of supporting the in the economy we're providing relief uh, to to taxpayers, in general, including a company in in tax. Having done all of these things, we continue to uh, restore the health of the public finances. As I conclude, Mr. Chairperson, before I, Honorable Chairperson, before I hand over to the officials to G and officials. I uh, don't know whether DM will also make some point. We were preparing to put before Parliament um, uh, the procurement bill, which is an all-embracing, replacing entire procurement processes we have. However, two developments have taken place. Which impact on, on this, which we need to study carefully before we can bring a procurement bill before Parliament. That is the first report of the Zondo Commission deals extens, extensively with the limits of the procurement system which we have. And last week, uh, we lost a, a, a court case uh, in the Constitutional Court in the light of that we want to take a look at the current petroleum bill after studying those two new developments but in the meantime in the meantime we will be putting across a new instructions which give flexibility and power to accounting officers and that we intend to issue that instruction in the next 14 days. It enhances reporting requirements to national, provincial treasuries, and auditor general. So, those are the kind of issues. So, that's my opening short and remarks. Uh, I don't know whether DM, DM is fat.
7: Uh, through you, Chair, I think the preliminary comments by the Minister are sufficient. Uh could come in during uh, the deliberation of the conversation. Thank you, Chair. And thank you, Minister. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Minister. Thank you, DM.
8: Edgar will take us through. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Minister, thank you, and, and
2: Deputy David. Minister.
0: David. So
8: some parts of the, um, the presentation the Minister has already covered, so that will help us save time um, as we go through the various slides. But just the slides. The slides were sent to the committee um, <clears throat> yesterday. Uh, So members, of course, uh, uh, would be able to go through them. But as the Minister has uh, also alluded to, the budget allocates an average of 59.4% of spending to the social wage to address poverty and unemployment and to support the economic recovery. Among these is the extension of the special COVID-19 social relief of distress grant by another 12 months, as well as additional funding for health education and the presidential employment initiative as part of the commitment made in the mtbps a portion of the higher than anticipated revenue since the 2021 budget is used to reduce the deficit and the borrowing requirement in chapter three of the budget review we indicate that between this year and the year in which a primary fiscal surplus is achieved. The split is about 55-45. As a result, government expects to achieve a primary <laughs> fiscal surplus, which means revenue will exceed non-interest spending by the year 2023-24, which is a year earlier than expected. We consider this a major milestone in returning the public finances to a sustainable position. The minister has alluded to the tax measures and the tax relief, in particular, that uh, is part of this budget, which amounts to a net uh, 5.2 billion rands in tax relief to assist with economic recovery and to help poor and working families uh, by providing respite, in particular, from high fuel taxes, as well as uh, boosting the employment tax incentive. Government also intends to secure the benefits in this regard by working towards a more effective fiscal anchor in the outer years. The medium-term growth outlook has improved. National Treasury projects real economic growth of 2.1% in 2022. However, this improvement is quite moderate. In fact, it's quite um, subdued, um, as the economy will return to pre-pandemic production levels, but the average growth rates will be insufficient by themselves to uh, achieve a reduction in poverty and unemployment. A more rapid implementation of economic reforms complemented by fiscal consolidation is necessary to ease investor concerns, support faster economic recovery, and higher levels of economic growth over the long term. We also reflect in the budget on the risks to the outlook, which are significant Turning to the outlook itself, new restrictions due to the resurgence of COVID-19 infections towards the end of last year, along with elevated inflation, earlier withdrawal of monetary accommodation, as well as changes in fiscal support in the US and troubled real estate challenges. Uh, uh, real estate challenges in China have reduced the uh, growth projections for the global economy. These, of course, are the two largest economies in the world, and so they have a significant impact. This slide shows the global economic outlook for various uh, major advanced and emerging market economies around the world, as well as the growth for two of Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa's largest economies, Nigeria and South Africa. With respect to South Africa, the national treasury, projects real economic growth of 4.8% for the 2021 calendar year, and a projection of 2.1% real growth in 2022. As I've indicated, over the medium term, real GDP growth will moderate to around 1.8% on average. In 2021, there were various events that affected the trajectory of growth, These included public violence in July, as well as the continuing challenge of inadequate electricity supply, in other words, load shedding. Over the medium term, risks to the domestic outlook include new variants of COVID-19, which could lead to new waves of infections, as well as continued um, usage of uh, uh, restrictions on economic activity continued interruptions in power supply, rising inflation and borrowing costs, as well as the emergence of sizable fiscal risks, which I will talk to in a minute. Going forward, creating a durable and resilient economy is a critical objective and obligation of government and for the country. In the recent State of the Nation address, the president noted, quote, the key task of government is to create conditions that will enable the private sector, both big and small, to emerge, to grow, to access new markets and to create new products and to hire more employees. Reforms that promote growth and employment are needed to build on the recovery. These include stimulating demand through investment in infrastructure, which i talked to as well, employment programs, tax incentives, and social transfers that boost household consumption. Thirdly, easing the skills constraint. And finally, modernizing network industries to support an increase in the economy's productive capacity. Work is underway to expedite approvals required to register embedded electricity generation plants, review the policy framework, and process processes for work visas uh, and and to complete the analog to digital migration and auction uh, spectrum, as well as clear the backlog of water use licenses. This slide provides an outline of the progress on a number of economic uh, uh, recovery uh, objectives as part of the recovery and reconstruction plan. I'm not gonna go through all of these details, as, of course, they were provided as part of the submission yesterday, as well as a very detailed outline that's part of chapter two of the budget review. But in the main, they encompass improving energy security, prioritizing key infrastructure projects, promoting industrial growth, and strengthening enabling conditions, which would include cutting red tape, improving um, uh, the payment um, uh, by government departments of suppliers so that we stay within the required 30 days that's in the PFMA. Turning to the fiscal strategy, the fiscal strategy is closely aligned, of course, to what was communicated in November at the time of the MTBPS, which includes reducing the, bu- the budget deficit and stabilizing the debt to GDP ratio. I've already indicated the split between deficit reduction and increasing non-interest expenditure using the higher than anticipated tax revenues we have been receiving beginning in the current financial year. This strategy is bringing us to a place where we are able to close fiscal consolidation over the MTEF because we expect to realize a primary surplus, as I've said, the difference between revenue and non-interest expenditure by 2023-24, 2020 which of course is a year earlier than what we projected at the time of the MTBPS. The budget also proposes additional allocations to address immediate spending pressures, including, as I have indicated, the extension of the special COVID-19 SRD grant as well as supporting economic growth through a range of reforms. The fiscal outlook is subject to significant risks. These risks include a weakening of global or domestic economic growth, rising global borrowing costs, the possibility of higher public service wage costs, and poor financial conditions of state-owned companies. In this regard, we consider that the spending increases that are being made are of a short-term nature. Any large permanent increases in spending, such as the introduction of a new permanent social grant, cannot be accommodated without matching that with permanent increases in revenue in order to ensure the fiscal deficit does not deteriorate. This slide indicates the evolution of public finances over the years which informs our thinking about fiscal policy and the starting point of the measures that we have put in place. They include a reflection on how spending has grown quite significantly over the last decade, including an increase in interest costs on debt, because that spending has of course contributed to an increase in the, uh, uh, in the debt stock. As a result of that, the composition of public spending Has deteriorated as debt service costs consume an ever increasing share of both revenues as an ever increasing share of the GDP. Over the medium term, debt redemptions increase and the debt service costs are expected to average 333 billion rands a year, making them the fastest growing item as well as the largest single item of spending. Therefore, underlying the need to reduce the deficit, and to stabilize debt. In other words, to stop debt as a percentage of the economy from growing. This we plan to do by 2024-25, after which we can start seeing a reduction also in debt service costs as a percentage of revenue. One of the areas where we need stronger management is in respect of the public service wage bill. And the reason for this is that Compensation spending by government, specifically national and provincial government, has grown far above inflation and indeed above economic growth for a long time. For example, for the period 2014-2015 to 2019-2020, compensation spending grew by 7.3%. This level of growth cannot be sustained into the future. And measures need to be put in place and discussions are taking place to moderate this growth into the future. Changes In tax revenue since the 2021 budget a year ago. One of the challenges we've, ha- we've had to face is that COVID-19 has created a lot of economic and fiscal volatility, making it very difficult to project what tax revenues will be, tax revenue collections as a result have fluctuated significantly. At the time following the 2020 budget, in other words, when we tabled the 2020 supplementary budget review and the MTBPS, revenue fell by around 175 billion rands. Tax revenue collections, however, have now increased and are expected to exceed the 2021 budget estimates by 182 billion dollars, and the 2021 MTBPS estimate by just under 62 billion. Dollars. The upward revision reflects improvements in corporate and personal income taxes, value-added tax, fuel levies, customs duties, and certain excise duties. As signaled in the MTBPS, The current framework does not include raising tax rates, in other words, additional tax measures over the MTEF, as collections have improved. This slide shows the tax proposals going forward. As I've indicated, the budget provides a net 5.2 billion rands in tax relief to support households and the economy. It includes not adjusting the general fuel levy and the road accident fund levy. While fully adjusting the personal income tax brackets and rebates for inflation. As Ministers indicated earlier, the corporate income tax rate is reduced by 1, alongside base broadening measures which will have no impact on revenue. Turning to expenditure. The projected revenue collection provides space for government to respond to some immediate spending pressures, while continuing to stabilise the public finance. This table summarizes the main revisions to non interest expenditure over the MTF period that have been made in this budget. The biggest increases in spending are to social welfare interventions and free basic services for the poor. In addition, health pressures, including the absorption of medical interns and doctors, are accommodated in this budget. The budget also adds additional funds for education, including funding for NSFs for higher education, uh, first year bursary holders, as well as funding for teacher salaries in the provinces. Importantly, the budget adds another 27.9 billion rand for infrastructure investment and public employment. This slide reflects what I've just said as a breakdown of these measures. So I'm not gonna go through all of it, except once again to underline the fact that we are providing just under 60% to the social wage, that there is a new amount of 18.4 billion to support youth employment and the creation of short-term jobs under the Presidential Employment Initiative. And finally, to indicate that the additions that we have made to infrastructure in this budget bring the total amount of public sector infrastructure spending over the next three years to an estimated 812 billion rand. At the same time, the budget narrows the deficit and stabilizes debt. As can be seen on the left-hand side, the main budget balance uh, narrows over the the MTF. The primary deficit, which was 5.7% of GDP, in 2020-2021 will be wiped out by 2023-24. At the same time, debt as a percentage of GDP will stabilize at 75.1% in the year 2024-25, three percentage points lower than what was estimated at the time of the MTBPS. This slide shows the consolidated balance and how the consolidated deficit narrows over the MTF as I've already spoken to. Turning to the composition of spending, firstly, by looking at capital transfers and payments, which grow faster than other items in the budget as a result of the additions that have been made, both in this budget, but also in the previous budget. Capital payments grow by 12.2% on average over the MTF, and capital transfers grow by 7.9% on average over the MTF. However, the key concern is that interest also grows in double digits, as I've indicated earlier. Over the medium term, turning to the functions, 1.3 trillion rands will be spent on learning and culture, which is dominated by education. 1 trillion will be spent on social development, which of course is mostly the social grants. Health will receive 760,000. Seven hundred sixty-four billion rands, while community development was uh, seven hundred fifty-five billion rands. A key concern, of course, here is in the middle of all of the spending, is debt service costs, which exceed a trillion rands for the first time over the MTF. As I go towards the close, let me reflect also on the division of revenue. Relative to the 2021 budget, allocations to provincial and local government will increase to assist with urgent spending pressures. In fact, the share of subnationals of the division of revenue increases to their largest levels yet. Local government, in particular, increases from 8.3% as a share of the overall uh, division to 10.2% over the MTEF, while at the same time national's share is reduced from above 50% to 48.4%. With respect to the financial position of public sector institutions, in 2021, we have had limited progress by state-owned companies in making their reforms. ESKIM has registered its transmission business as a subsidiary and plans are being finalized to sell a stake and South African Airways to a strategic equity partner by the Department of Public Enterprise. In 2020-21, most of these companies deferred their capital investment projects to preserve cash to meet their short-term obligations in the context of their financial difficulties, thus underlining the need to restore confidence in this area and to address the fiscal risks arising from state-owned companies as the minister indicated in his speech yesterday. Looking at public entities that are not business enterprises, these are dominated by the unemployment insurance fund and the road accident fund. And the financial position in this regard are in opposite directions as has been the case for many years. So the financial position of the unemployment insurance fund and the compensation fund are very strong. However, this is offset by the persistently large liabilities at the road accident fund. Finally, on the risk to the fiscal framework, the largest risk to the recovery in the public finance is a deterioration in the economy. Higher than expected global inflation could lead to higher global interest rates, thus affecting debt service costs and exchange rate. Over and above this, Significant risks include the weak financial position of state owned companies, the public service wage agreement, should that exceed the rate of growth of the compensation budgets as they're currently in place, additional spending pressures from new spending programs, or the realization of contingent liabilities. And finally, the risk of government's debt redemptions over the next five years is significant, as these will average about 150 billion rands per year. In conclusion, global uncertainties and an uneven domestic recovery weigh on the economic outlook over the medium term. While the outlook for 2022, in particular, has been revised upwards, there are persistent structural constraints that inhibit the pace of the recovery. Since the 2021 MTBPS, government's fiscal position has nevertheless improved as a result of higher than anticipated revenue. This revenue will be used. On the one hand, to alleviate short-term spending pressures, and on the other hand, to reduce the deficit. Government continues to reprioritize, reallocate, and review spending to meet policy priorities and improve efficiency. Government faces large spending pressures, as I've indicated in the previous slide. And finally, government is working on a sustainable long-term approach to social protection, consistent with government's broad development mandate and the need to ensure affordability. Thank you, Chair.
2: Thank you. Um, Minister D M do want to come in before we (laughs) go. Minister uh dm do you want to come in or should we continue with our uh, with our
0: agenda edgar edgar
7: from my side i think uh, we could just continue uh, but i'll take the lead from the minister okay
2: minister okay uh, that's
3: that's 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 fine uh, let's say uh, uh, Secretaries will help me
2: find the names of of the honorable members who would would like to engage
3: with the presentation. Thank you very much for the the presentation.
2: Can I? CEO would like to uh, <coughs> to raise the hand, Mr. George. I see Mr. Ryder. Yes, yes there are Mr. four hands.
4: Also, Mr. On Peters and Mr. Oka.
8: Uh, honourable.
3: Okay. Um, for now, I'm giving honourable George, honourable Ryder, honourable uh, Peters
2: and Honorable Okam, And I see Honorable Morolong. Anybody else, Honorable members?
3: As things stand now, i Honorable George, Honorable Ryder, Honorable Peters, Honorable Okam, Honorable Morolong. Can we and uh, um, try to be very uh, brief with our uh, Inputs so that uh, we, we have enough time. Uh, can I start with you, Honorable George?
9: Thank you, Chairperson. Um, thanks for the presentation. Uh, the Fitch Rating Agency issued a warning this morning on South Africa's debt levels. We also um, saw on the fiscal framework that pressure on debt continues. And this is chiefly the result of the size of the public sector wage bill. We've all been speaking about it for a long time. What I would like to know from the minister is, Minister, what action are you going to take on the public sector wage bill, given the pressure it's putting on the upward debt spiral? Then on the state-owned enterprises, it is pleasing to see that money allocated to them is reducing The president mentioned that there would be another state-owned enterprise um, established to manage the others. Um, This is an exceptionally bad idea. Um, Minister, are you going to fund a new state-owned enterprise to oversee all of the other ones? And then um, we need more domestic savings besides pension funds. Why did you not implement measures to remove the barriers to saving, such as increasing the limits on tax-free savings, relief on individual rent- rental income, etc.? Because we know that domestic savings is one of the key places that we're going to get capital for investment in the economy. Um, also, the fuel price is driving inflation and causing hardship. What is the time frame for engaging with other departments to get this sorted out? Thanks, Chair.
6: Thank you, Honourable
10: uh, uh, George. Honourable writer, please come in. Thank you very much, Chair. It seems a bit bizarre seven months after your appointment to be, say, to be welcoming you, Minister, but since this is the first time you've presented yourself to the select committees, uh, welcome and congratulations on your appointment. Um, Minister, I have a degree of sympathy for you uh, with the ro- with, with, with the situation you find yourself in, and I think that, uh, yes, uh, there have been some positive signs coming out of the budget that came out yesterday, but I thought that there was quite a lot missing um, and in, in some of what you said. I'm going to pick on a couple of the issues, and the first one is you had two ministers... Uh, trying to perhaps steal your thunder or, or place you under pressure. I'm not sure what the situation was. But uh, two ministers making pronouncements on what we could expect in the budget, uh, which we didn't really see. So number one, of course, is is uh, the ETOLS announcement, Minister. Uh, we all expected that uh, Minister Mbalula, uh, his promise that we would hear direction on ETOLS, obviously representing Gauteng, that's quite close to my heart, um, but we heard nothing about it yesterday and I can find nothing in the documents as yet, um, uh, considering how far I've worked through. Uh, can you give us an indication of what the situation is with eTOLS? That's number one. Number two, Mr. Gordon uh, indicated that there'd be uh, funding for SIA coming forward. Um, it, it's not overtly stated. It's, it's not uh, clearly stated where the additional funding is, will come from that SIA is uh, due to get in terms of Minister Gaudin's, uh statements. If you can just tell us where to look for, that we can find where that money will be coming from specifically. Uh, Minister, the next thing I note is that um, the tremendous costs associated with, uh, with with changing Parliament as a result of the fire have not been um, um, catered for in terms of this budget. now. Uh, Parliament has received a, a, a small increase, I think, uh, n- nothing to write home about, and certainly nothing that's going to enable the continued working of, of Parliament uh, while the uh, rebuilding of Parliament takes place, etc. So there's going to be two components to that. And the first part will be the, um, the temporary housing of, of, of parliamentary processes, and the second part will be the actual rebuilding. If you can give us an indication of where that money will be coming from uh minister the next question relates to the budget review document and on page 73 of that uh, there's a comment that the school infrastructure backlogs grant is going to be kind of subsumed into the education infrastructure grant now noting the underperformance of the backlog uh, infrastructure grant that, that that's happened over the years and the fact that we've consistently had to repurpose money and and move money in the in, in adjustment budgets because it hasn't been spent by the provinces and the importance of actually spending that that, that money on improving um uh, school infrastructure specifically where there are quick latrines uh, and asbestos schools etc um i would believe that 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 you know, taking focus off catching up that backlog is a tremendously bad idea and I think that allowing, giving it specific focus is massively important so I do think that, that changing that uh, or, or by subsuming the one into the other will remove focus from that school uh, infrastructure backlog and I, I think that's a, a, a terribly bad idea um, to allow it to just disappear into a bigger uh, uh, pot where it won't be noticed and we can't keep as tight control over it. My last question, Chairperson, relates to uh, the risk of scarcity on inflation. And we've all seen the backlogs uh, in the various ports uh, and the comments about the fact that, you know, not only is production down uh, internationally as a result of the, the, the pandemic, but the fact is that ships can't get into South African harbors. Uh, Two week delays getting into Cape Town, seven days uh, is considered good and ships that are now bypassing Cape Town, uh, which is creating scarcity uh, in in our shops. Um, And obviously, this is something that's pushing up inflation. Um, Minister, have you started to put pressure on your um, Cabinet colleagues to make sure that they start performing um, and that they keep a a reasonable eye on the impacts that their actions and the actions of their departments and their entities have uh, on your department and, and your results? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Raida.
3: And I've also jo- uh, added Honorable Kaiser and Aroma Sonai to, to the speakers, uh, but now is the, is the turn for Honorable uh, Peters.
11: Thank you very much, Chairperson.
12: And uh, I want to take this opportunity to congratulate the Minister and the National Treasury and the agency responsible for the budget for the Good News budget that he presented to us yesterday, but also to say to the minister, the emphasis on your statement, minister, that we need to strike a, a critical balance between saving lives and livelihoods while supporting inclusive growth. And that you said in your budget that this budget present this budget I mean, this balance. I am really uh, uh, happy for that type of statement, Minister, because it means that we are focusing on the needs of our people, but also on trying to make it possible that even the workers can have something back in their pockets in terms of the uh, tax, uh, uh, income tax reductions that you have uh, announced, but also in terms of the extension of the srd that you have announced and uh, the grants increases that you have announced it it does really make one uh, see that uh, this is truly a a a caring government Uh, but minister with regard to the extension of the srd i I don't know, In last year we did in one of the committee meetings raise the issue related to whether based on the submissions by Cosatu and uh, BOMOBI.com and others with regard to the BIG, whether the ministry and, and national treasury is actually do, doing an investigation on how the suggestions that they are making with regard to taxing the. They reach even more so that you can then afford a basic income grant. Because uh, a minister, the annual extensions, it uh, leaves uh, much to be desired. Because once it is known that uh, there is a grant and the grant is going to be sustained, it is possible that the, the administrative burden on SASA So to keep on getting people to reapply, as well as the challenges that the South African Post Office is facing, can be minimized because once an 18-year-old applies, because they would no longer be under the child support grant or the other grants, once they apply based on the availability of the resources, they would then be there up until they get a job and or they, 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 they... our uh, economy improves and they start businesses and all those, then they could then be able to be hived off or graduate out of the, the grant. I would believe, Minister, it's it's about time that uh, you, through your tax reform type of uh, interventions, do a study of whether this is doable, and if it is doable, how much will it cost the fiscal's And how long will we be able to sustain it? And and maybe we can allow for that process to unfold. Minister, the other thing is also with regards to bailing out the failing SOEs. How uh, long are we going to be able to enjoy this and be able to continue bailing one or the other? last year again and the year before we requested national treasury to give us a list of all the soes that has got a red flag that indicates that this is not going to be able to survive beyond a certain a, a, a number of years the other thing with the soes is also the issues of the cost uh, 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 to the to the fiscals for the administration of these SOEs, we don't seem to be getting value for money. Is it from a governance perspective, or is it from the management uh, uh, environment? The other thing, Minister, that I wanted to find out from you, is it correct that in South Africa, all our SOE uh, 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 management leadership does have the pets that are almost equal or even at times more than those of a uh, ministers like for example and a ceo having a, a protectors drivers and all those type of a uh, security that uh, he or she would be always accompanied by if you look at the cost of administering the ceo's office it's it it's actually taking the bulk of the money. And the other thing, Minister, it's also painful as a member of SCOA as well as an alternate on SCOF, that every time we hear of SOEs that are not able to pay salaries, or even uh, uh, of late, we have seen municipalities being in that particular uh, situation. Then, Chairperson, uh, uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask the Minister is that is, is this debt service cost that uh, uh, is always increasing? And you gave us an indication that it is averaging about 330 billion annually over the MTF. Is this something that we can say we're working towards as a, a, a African government to, to be actually do good and get out of debt? When are we going to get out of debt? And especially the debt that we owe, the international uh, um, institutions as well as the domestic, in particular the workers, because it is important that we truly get out of this uh, 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 debt. The other thing, Minister, we will announce the issue of the turnaround plans of the SOCs. In the last five to ten years, which of the SOCs have had their turnaround plans giving us a positive indication that they have been saved, they have been uh, uh, recovered. If I'm given another opportunity, I'll come back.
2: Okay, so thank you. Uh,
5: Honorable,
13: uh... Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and uh, welcome to you also, Minister. Honorable Chairperson, I have been covered. Can you hear me, Honourable Chairperson? Honourable Chairperson, I have yes. been covered partially. Uh, what I would like to just touch on again, and the Honourable Peters has also not touched on it, is the spiralling cost of our debt service uh, cost. Uh, we see where it is going, and unfortunately nobody sees a real positive outcome on that in the long term. We need to get to a point where we can really... Uh, stop the spiraling down of our debt service cost. Uh, first, Secondly, I would also just like to touch on what the Honourable President said in his State of the Nation address and that is with regards to the creating of jobs. For the private sector to be enabled to create jobs, we need to get to a point where the there will be an environment that will be conducive For investment that will be conducive to attract people from outside of South Africa to come and put money into our economy, as well as for our local uh, private companies to be able to thrive. Now, if you look at what Fitch has just said this morning, that there are no possibilities of a positive uh, uh, rating climb for us. We need to ask ourselves what needs to be done. And I would like to get your opinion, Honourable Minister, with regards to effects or issues that led to us being downgraded. Uh, Issues such as uh, expropriation without compensation, Uh, our huge wage bill, the uh, whole situation with regards to state-owned enterprises and corruption. Didn't we, uh, haven't we got to a point where we've got to tell ourselves that it is now high time to move away from all those controversial issues that led to us being downgraded and led to us uh, being in the position that we are, led to us having to borrow more money because we can't create the money inside our country. Isn't it high time that we abandon uh, issues like appropriation without compensation? Because nobody out there in the world that wants to come invest in South Africa wants to look at uh, policy issues like that from a governing party, and then come in and uh, invest money into our country. I think for us to succeed, to succeed, it is high time that we move away from that. With regard to state-owned enterprises, I uh, want to congratulate you on the sentiment that we cannot give any more bailouts. Unfortunately, we saw these sentiments in the past from previous ministers, and then bailouts came, or additional guarantees came. So uh, we would just like to get your opinion again on state-owned enterprises and the way forward. And then my question again, isn't privatization of these state-owned enterprises the way forward, a way in which those state-owned enterprises can get money invested into them, as well as uh, next level of skills that can be uh, used to help those state enterprises coming out of their problems. I have been covered with regards to the the, uh, the, the, uh, labour bill. Uh, So from my side, Honourable Chairperson, that will be all for now. Thank you so much.
2: Honorable Chairperson, I am finished.
13: I don't hear anything. Take over the chair, Valley. <laughs> well, we can do that.
5: <laughs> okay. No problem. we supposed to come. Is it O'Camp or is it more along? Hello. Hello. Can you... Hello. Hello.
2: Uh... <laughs> Shanga, are you there? Okay, okay. Thank you. Hi. And then it's now Honorable long, and then try. So
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, good afternoon to all the colleagues in the platform. Uh, let me uh, start by congratulating the Minister. Uh, on the successful delivery of his uh, first uh, maiden budget speech, or rather his maiden budget speech, uh, let me also hasten to say, Chair, that I am quite mindful of the fact that I have connectivity issues, and that uh, some of the questions that may uh, that I may raise may have been dealt with by um, by other members. Uh, I just have a few brief questions, Chair, uh, with respect to. Uh, tax revenues, Um, I'd like to know from the minister. Uh, uh, Minister, for how long do we expect our tax revenues uh, to be boosted by the commodities windfall? What is uh, is our plan uh, when the commodities cycle ends? Uh, Well, the second question is with respect to the wage bill. We know, then, we agreed that uh, uh, there must be demonstrable effort to keep the wage bill under control. Uh, but the question is, and I know that uh, uh, much has been said uh, uh, through earlier presentations, but I want to know the practicalities thereof. How do we intend to deal with the public uh, sector wage bill? Uh, last year, we implemented the gratuity, uh, which was welcome. Uh, What is the plan for this? What what is the exact plan for this? uh, um, And for more uh, of a medium-term plan, the the other question is with regard to the universal basic income. Uh, I would want to find out what is the minister's uh, long-term view on the uh, universal basic income uh, if we can no longer fund it through the commodity cycle. Where can we find it from? Um, And the last question is What is the Treasury's view on the financing of a just transition as well as its impact on energy security, employment, and the cost of energy? Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much.
5: And yes, over to you, Kaiso. Thank, thank you, Almarilong. So
14: okay. Well, thank you very much, Coach. Uh, uh, let me also thank uh, Minister and the uh, Deputy Minister and the uh, uh, Treasury for this presentation and the state of the budget which was uh, presented uh, successfully yesterday. <clears throat> of course, let me quickly uh, also uh agree with my colleague in as far as the intervention areas which have been uh, mentioned in the state of uh, uh of the budget <clears throat> yesterday especially around the issue or for the fact that now uh for instance 76 billion rand will be allocated for for job creation i think it's a, it's a good intervention uh also, the, on the area that the small business, uh, because there's always been an outcry when it comes to small business, they will also, you know, benefit from the uh, from the budget which was announced yesterday, as well as the provincial departments uh, uh, billions of rand which have been allocated to provincial departments. And we know uh, that with the national health insurance, uh, we want to attain health for all. So uh, that budget uh, it will take the provincial departments uh, somewhere uh, so that we attain that uh, objective. <clears throat> I also wanted to chat with the minister around uh, just few things here. Uh, Firstly, is the issue on the uh, state-owned companies, uh, uh, because there's been a mention that now uh, some of the state-owned companies will be rationalized and and some will will not be retained. So maybe just to unpack which ones are going to be rationalized and which ones are are going to be retained. because uh, you know the, the, the state-owned enterprise plays a pivotal role in as far as uh, uh, building a, a democratic developmental state, so it will be good to you know uh, to ensure the survival of these uh, alien state-owned uh, uh, enterprises, so companies. So I just want you to know, maybe in elaboration, what, what does that mean? I mean, we, we already know uh, because I picked up the SAA and Eskom, but I'm not sure what's gonna happen with the with regard to DNL, uh, the post office. You, you know, uh, perhaps it will be important that we have a clue. What does that mean, uh, or what are those? Uh, companies that have been referred to uh, in the statement. But one of the biggest challenges that we, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, money or, or, or it's an issue on, on, on spending or lack of spending, it, it is one of the biggest enemies. I don't know, the Treasury has to, you know, redouble its effort uh, in as far as this, uh Enemy is concerned called lack of spending because if you look around, even the auditor general's report uh, on the performance of our municipalities, one of the areas was you know uh, very serious issues around the issues of you know uh, lack of spending or or irregularities and you know unauthorized expenditures. So, so, so if 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 the same uh, approach is going to exist, we will still live by the same uh, enemy of lack of spending because lack of spending has resulted in a number of, you know, collapse of services, which was not supposed to be the case. So I think here Treasury needs to redouble its effort to fight that uh, that, that enemy. Now I think it is also important that uh, Minister uh, we. The issue on the social compact argument, it is, you know, uh, it has been finalized uh, uh, very uh, quickly to also cover the areas of the economic recovery plan. So to enhance or to, to track uh, it, so it will need a quicker finalization of the social compact uh, argument with the, all the stakeholders. Now, what I want to also ask from the minister is on the issue of, you know, dealing with the uh, money laundering and corruption. I want to know on the fat force, I'm not sure whether I'm calling it uh, correctly, but I want to use your words, the fat force. Is it also going to deal with this enemy called uh, illicit financial flow uh, out of the country? Because I have picked up the issue quite correctly, because it it, it it contributes towards also crippling the economy, illicit financial flow. So it's one of the area that I, I, I want to hear from the minister whether how is it this matter going to be dealt with, or whether is what force or task is it going to deal also? Is it this one, including the illicit financial flow, or what? So, fourthly, is the issue of, isn't there a possibility to to review the financial model of our local municipalities? I'm I'm, I'm bringing this issue back because it, it, you know, the issue of service delivery, when you look at the report of the Auditor General uh, in the previous financial year, it does tell us something uh, with regard to the performance of of our local municipalities because now the financial, current financial model of, the, of our local municipalities is a, is a very old one. So it needs a quicker review so, such that our local municipalities are able to make their business uh, and achieve their, their plans uh, quite you know, uh, effectively. On the tax reform, uh, I also want to uh, know at what point do we take off the ground the issue of wealth tax? Because I mean, uh, we've talked of reference has been made on a number of areas of tax reform, but I also want to bring this issue of wealth tax uh, because I I think, I I can believe it it can take us a long way uh, in as as far as uh, raising of revenue. And lastly, uh, Mr. Oakham, I don't think uh, uh, because it's our policy that uh, we must pursue uh, expropriation of land without compensation, it's an issue that we can, uh, it, it, we will ever drop. We will take forward that issue. It's a, it's a, it's a policy issue. So uh, I, don't th- I don't know how it comes uh, at this point. Uh, uh, no, no, we can't drop it. Uh,
2: forget about it, Mr. Oka. Thank you very much, Uh
5: Thank you, Chairperson Uh Thanks to members of the four committees present here, uh also want to uh, thank the minister for presenting the uh, budget uh, yesterday uh, which shows uh, a positive uh, trajectory and uh, we shall give credit when and when it is due. Um, that's very important because we can't always be hammering on the executive and uh, even when there is something positive, we don't want to acknowledge we must always find something negative. Uh, I, I don't think that is correct uh, that's not how what oversight is all about. you you have to acknowledge where there is improvement and then uh, raise issues where there are uh, the lack of uh, or slow improvement. Um, uh, let's also welcome the Deputy Minister, the platform, and uh, uh, the DG and Treasury and SARS and officials from Parliament. Uh, let's welcome the increase on the revenue collection by plus sixty-two billion, in the main coming from the mining sector. Uh, it's an area of strength which, uh, if more work is done in that direction, uh, more revenue uh, can be generated uh, from the mining sector and um, an attempt to stabilize the debt. Uh, also, uh, the $15 billion, uh, that has been allocated for small business loan guarantee Uh, is a positive development. Uh, However, the accessibility of uh, loans that are earmarked for small businesses always remains a challenge. Uh, 2020, for instance, there were, I'm not sure whether they were called stimulus packages, I can't remember, uh, uh, which uh, uh, were announced by the president And uh, some of them had to be administered by the Department of Small Business. Uh, You remember what happened. And uh, small businesses came to parliament complaining that they can't access uh, those guarantees and there are serious challenges. We hope that uh, uh, this 15 billion that the minister spoke about uh, will go a long way to reach out to a small business operator out there uh, uh, at Dimbaza, Kongowa, Shayandima, Babelechi, Amaskral and many other areas where they are desperately needed. Um, so I think that's quite important. Uh, and please, indeed, as you have committed, Minister Pezu, your discussions with Minister Mantasha on the fuel uh, uh, price. Uh, fuel is very expensive. And uh, as you have said, it has ignited uh, increase in the food inflation. And the poor uh, can't be able to buy food uh, we have got people who go to bed hungry because of the affordability, uh, non affordability of uh, food uh, on the shelves and uh, at the market. I just want to understand, Chairperson, the minister talks about a presidential youth initiative, but uh, not so long ago, I'm not sure whether it was 2018 or 19, the president launched another program called Yes. Is it the same program uh, of yes, or this is a new program? Uh, uh, Let me get clarity on what shape and form uh, will it take to an extent that it will make a difference to the youth uh, employment challenges, which is quite very, very high. And then next is, Minister, do we have an economic policy of this government At some stage, we have GIA 96 and so on and so on. But now, can you tell us what is the economic policy of government? At some stage, some two years back, Minister Mbowene was working on an inclusive economic policy. Where it was dropped, I can't tell. Uh, I know there is an economic recovery and reconstruction plan, but that is a plan. Do Do you have a police as a minister of finance that you can show us that this is the police? Uh, Moving towards conclusion, Schengen. The issue of SOEs, I think it will be wrong just to paint all uh, the SOEs with the same brush. Uh, There are those SOEs which are doing well. Not so long ago, I think it was on the 8th of February uh, this year, we received a report from National Treasury with uh, audit plans. And uh, if you remember, there are there are quite many of them which have received unqualified and clean audit. So we can't say all SOEs. Let's deal with each and every SOE on its own merit, case by case, and not say that all SOEs have to be privatized. Minister, we can't leave the economy to the market forces. We don't subscribe to that, some of us, uh, uh, piggybacking on what Comrade Kaiso has said. The role of the state in the economy remains very, very, very important for the poor uh, and for the vulnerable. But to say that uh, everything must be run by the market forces, that can't happen. Even in America itself, which is an advanced capitalist economy, economy, it's not happening that every sector is run by the private sector. No. So, but if you can show me in clear terms that this is the economic policy, and this is how we are. Unlike just having a stopgap measures and just many plans which are coming, but a clear policy that we know that in the long term, this is the direction that the country uh, is taking. Um, but uh, let's let's welcome uh, the positive trajectory uh, that uh, the budget is taking. Uh, thanks, Chair. Uh, no, lastly, uh, please, Minister, uh, deal with all those challenges. Uh, legal and uh, other challenges in regard to public procurement bill. We acknowledge the challenges as a result of Zondo and uh, the court challenge last week. But we can't afford that uh, the right-wingers will be on the offensive and push back uh, uh, black economic empowerment. No, Minister. uh, I, for one, I have been uh, come from the ANC, which has been elected on the ticket of empowering the previously disadvantaged. So work on all those issues that you have raised, but the sooner this bill comes to parliament, uh, the better. Thanks.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Honorable I see uh, there's Honorable Vessels, Honorable PC, and Honorable Shwambu in that order, please. Honorable Vessels, please come.
15: Thank you, Honourable Chairperson, good afternoon. And thank you to the uh, Department and the Minister for the presentation. Let me firstly say, um, Chairperson, um, I, I, would, uh, I will do what uh, the, the Chairperson, Masungani Ghani, um, asked us to do and acknowledge that there's a lot of positive aspects of this budget, although we all know that we are in trouble. We are fiscally in trouble. And uh, it's it's still not, we are not in the clear, not at all. Uh, But we want to acknowledge the fact that uh, on that note of the positive aspects, the fact that there is the attitude to rather create a conducive environment for the private sector and for individuals for disposable income, to spend money and to get the economy going and to create jobs by not increasing taxes. And uh, the Honorable Claude uh, Leigh said that uh, we must look at wealth tax. And Chairperson that would be detrimental. We, we should rather acknowledge the fact that if we now increase revenue, it will only be in the short term and it won't be sustainable. Chairperson, that being said, um, what worries me is the outstanding debt of government departments and state-owned entities to our municipalities across the country. And I would like to know if there's any plan by national treasury to try and address this issue because we're in a vicious cycle. Municipalities are struggling financially because government um, and national departments and provincial departments and state-owned entities owe them millions of rands. If you just look at the post office, it's it's really a big big problem. Talking about the post office, and it was alluded to by a previous speaker that uh, what is the position of the post office? Because uh, I asked a, a question, which I received an answer uh, to recently, which states that uh, just to landlords across the country, the post office owes three hundred and four million rand, and at this stage, there is no accurate um, figure with regards to outstanding. municipal service charges and uh, that's that's also going to be staggering um but chairperson a post office is also an important function of an economy and uh, i would like to know how that is going to be addressed then chairperson i also noted that the uh, road accident fund currently has a deficit of 404 billion rand um is it not time minister to get rid of the road accident fund, to address this issue that will, I hope that will form part of the restructuring of the fuel um, price. Because if you go and look at most African countries, they all have compulsory third party insurance to all motor vehicle owners. And that's a way of also addressing higher input costs, getting fuel prices lower will also get food prices lower. And at the end of the day, um, the Road Accident Fund is dysfunctional, is bankrupt, and we need to address that issue, and compulsory third-party insurance will be away. Um, then, Chairperson, with, also with regards to the affordability of food, and we know that the latest figure says 40% of South Africans are hungry. That is astounding. That is terrible. We should all be very, very worried about that. But, Chairperson, then my question is, is there any money, that is being allocated to disaster relief funding to commercial farmers who suffered because of the recent floods. Because if there is no relief to them, food prices are going to increase even more and inflation will increase in this year because there's no relief to farmers who suffered because of the, the floods and previously because of the droughts. Jefferson, then the public wage war well, i uh, largely covered on, But let me just say, Chairperson, if the organograms are not going to be addressed, if where there's vacant posts and those posts are not reviewed and brought to a a containable and more reasonable salary scale, we'll never get the public wage bill under control. And, Minister, is it not time to address the upper limits and review the upper limits especially with regards to senior management of municipalities um, by way of, of regulations because there are municipal managers and senior managers in um, municipalities that earn more than the DG, that earn more than a minister, that nearly earn the same as the president of South Africa. And that is uh, one of the biggest financial problems with regards to municipalities. And then also the political appointments that's currently taking place in uh, the offices of newly uh, elected mayors, speakers, MMCs. Uh, those appointments should also be contained because those salaries are extremely high and it puts a burden on the finances of the municipalities. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you,
3: Honorable Vessels. Honorable, please come in.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chairperson, um, and the uh, greetings to the Minister, Deputy Minister, and uh, all the colleagues present, including the officials of uh, Treasury. I must say, Chair, that uh, I welcome the, the presentation as well as the budget presented by the Minister yesterday. And I must say that uh, it's a relief of some sort um, in some areas of our Challenges that we are faced with on a daily basis. I also welcome, chair, the the increase on the bursary. Um, uh, that is welcomed. I think it is something that I think uh, we are quite aware that there are a number of young um, working class, the uh, youth that needs to be actually assisted by 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 the state to access education. Now the the question I have, uh, chair. the following that uh, what are the regime uh, reforms of this budget policy if the minister could uh, just uh, unpack that uh, so that we can see the acceleration of uh, the implementation of this particular budget the other one is the constraints the structural constraints how are we going to avoid these structural constraints of this uh, policy statement i think it's, it's very important on the, on the issues of the relief uh, uh, going to the poor, it's also welcome, Chair, but for how long are we going to have that? Is it for 12 months? Is it only for a short period of time? Or is this just uh, uh, a short-term measure to, to, to make sure that uh, South Africans are relieved from the uh, financial stresses that we have? The, the last one, Chair, is the, is the allocation of a, a, a budget to 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 the Department of Transport, particularly looking at Prasa, our railway lines are um, are, not, are non-functional. We're in houting, and I must say that that we are we are very much stripped. Uh, we do not have at the moment, as we speak, the working class is struggling to get to work. Uh, they're using taxis and buses, which are a, a very expensive mode of transport. For the people around, around, around our country. So I'm saying that uh, if the the minister could allocate us to, will this be sufficient allocation for 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 us to have a a, 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 a railway line being installed back uh, the, in this financial year? The last one chair is the the 350. What informs the minister and the team uh, of Treasury not to increase the 350 and keep it at the 350 rather than at least giving it an increase to 400 or even 500 rand so that our people could also uh, be, be, be able to be assisted. Uh, I think Jefferson uh, Masongani spoke about the, the expensive of fuels and I think now the taxes that they're using um are very expensive and the post office in most townships you don't have post office people have to go to the suburbs and uh, to get this uh, money from the post office that is another challenge that we have with that chair i want to thank you and the uh, and the team for inviting us to scouting thank you so much thank you PC,
3: no thank you very much uh say okay, I just want to make some few observations in terms of the and the amounts on what they has transferred. So, in 2020, government announced the an illusionary 500 billion as part of the response package to COVID-19, which included the 200 billion. Uh, Loan guarantee scheme to businesses. There was an announcement now of an additional 15 billion. But we don't have a report as to to what extent was one, the illusionary 500 billion was utilized, but two, as to how many people gained access to the 200 billion loan guarantee scheme. And what is the composition of those people? Who are these people who gained access? Even if you don't give as the names and and surnames, you can give us a demographic breakdown of how many women, how many black people, and in which provinces we have gained access to that 200 billion. And already I hear people are celebrating the 15 billion before you give account of what was initially announced as an intervention. Maybe also should be given a report as to What has been the impact of this illusionary 500 billion uh, response, which was announced in 2020? And and, and perhaps now it's the correct time to reflect on that and report on it much more significantly. The second observation that I want to make is that the biggest expenditure item now, I think it's the first time since 1994, in the budget of 301 billion, 301.8 billion rand is on debt service costs. What has been the the impact of these debts that have been accumulating? We've been borrowing money, like what has been the impact? What what have been the dividend of that? Because in the same period when this debt GDP ratio is increasing, where the money which we expend as the state, the biggest item is debt service cost. What has been the impact? Because in the same period, jobs have been lost. 2.1 million people who were working before are no longer working. And, And coupled with those that are entering the job market because of age and a variety of other aspects, we have got anything between 11 and 14 million people who are unemployed. What has been the impact of this thing that you're doing and you're celebrating and congratulating each other This is a wonderful budget and all those things. What really is the content of what we're trying to do? Because the, 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 the consequences are negative and anyone who wants to suggest otherwise is not being honest. Like National Treasury has been doing the same thing time and again, same budget framework and same projections in terms of what happens. But there is no impact on the ordinary lives of our people the numbers are showing that, that poverty is deepening the levels of unemployment is, is increasing there is no energy security the infrastructure that was there before is being dilapidated there is no program in terms of dealing that there is no mega infrastructure program in south africa which we can point at that in the past 2 3 years uh, we have seen a president cutting a ribbon over an infrastructure which was funded through these massive borrowings that government is engaged in. If anything, he has just been invited to open or to cut ribbons in sometimes even fake projects of people who are claiming to be opening phones, manufacturing stores. And if anything he has been opening projects which were not budgeted for in the roof of a, a so-called city. By a private company when the national department of human settlement that does did not have that in its uh, expenditure items. It's it's what what is the consequences of these things that you have been doing for the longest time and everything else. And like the fact of the matter is that we have presented a budget with an admission that there's absolutely nothing that you're going to do about the more than 11 million unemployed South Africans. Because even if you were to aggregate the number of jobs that you intend to create, whether it's public employment or jobs that you're going to stimulate from the private sector, they don't even constitute more than 5% of the unemployed population. So in the budget speech, in the sauna, there is no illustration that you will ever in the foreseeable future create more than 500,000 jobs. No no way. Like, no, no one can claim that such exists. Meaning that the people of South Africa must live with the fact that the numbers of people who are unemployed are going to remain the same in the foreseeable future. There is nothing different that is going to happen. And this is even confirmed by your projections of growth that over the next three years is going to be average 1.8% growth. And you know that when you count the number of people who like increase the population population growth in South Africa, that 1.8% growth, will, in, when you then deduct it to per capita growth, will be almost nothing, if not negative, in the manner that it is. Because our population has been growing at average 1.4% year on year. So so this this growth is not helping anything. There is no direction. So to, to, to pretend otherwise is, is fundamentally misleading in terms of uh, what, what, what should happen. But also it is misleading to say that the 32 billion that was allocated to NSFAS is part of the fee-free education scheme. There's no fee-free education, higher education in South Africa. NSFAS is not administering fee-free education, higher education. It is administering loans to students. And in some instances, expect them to make their own contributions of registration fees, of residences, of accommodation, and a variety of other things. So to want to create an impression that there is a new injection which is going to provide fee-free education is misleading. And must not be repeated anyway unless it is a policy framework or legislative change as to what NSFAS is mandated to do uh, uh, moving forward. The other issue that I want to talk to is the issue of the state owned bank. We had made some progress, at least in the committee deliberations. We even said to the National Treasurer that they must give us a clear roadmap on how the shares that the South African Reserve Bank has in the or have in the African bank should be disposed towards the direction of the, of the state and perhaps with the thought of consolidating the assets of the post-bank and then creating a state-owned bank. This silence. About it. Only thing that we know as a matter of fact is that the Rothschilds have been appointed as transaction advisors to the South African Reserve Bank to dispose uh, African bank uh, shares, w- which is problematic. You know the history, in the nature, and the ideological, philosoph- philosophical approach and direction of the Rothschild. They will not. They will not uh, agree. They will not even advise that the state should have ownership of of, of a bank, despite the fact that we have cleared the legislative impediments that existed before in terms of uh, the state being permitted legislatively to own a, a bank in terms of the bank's act. That is one of the issues that have to be dealt with. Maybe we must demand a report as to how far are we with creation of a state-owned bank and what is the process thus far and how do we move in, in that regard. The other issue that I want to talk to is the role of the public investment corporation. What are the exact programs and activities that the PIC is going to be engaged in to stimulate economic activity, to drive mega projects in South Africa, which will create jobs, but also will uh, develop the productive forces. Not broad responses, like specifics in terms of what will be the role of the PIC because it is the only capable financial institution that can have meaningful impact in the economy, as opposed to the otherwise dysfunctional land bank now, and the toy banks of NEF and all of those things, which which will never ever have uh, any impact in the economy. The other issue, which seems to have been uh, shelved as well, and uh, have been raising this issue, is the issue of tax avoidance. And there's a deliberate means or mechanism to conflate tax avoidance with illicit financial flows. It's not the same. So, we had agreed in principle in one of the standing committees on, on, on finance that we need a clear policy guideline and legislation on dealing with tax avoidance. So, that there is a broader scope to could maximally collect revenue in, in, in light of the fact that the, the revenue is shrinking, and even when it is collected, a substantial component of it still goes to that service, service's costs. So, we need to then get a clear update from the revenue collector on the phenomenon of checks of avoidance in terms of what happens. I know that people are going to say that. Tax avoidance is not unlawful and everything else, but if you were to do a thorough research as to the cost of tax avoidance into the sovereign economy, it's far much more bigger than anyone can ever anticipate uh, in terms of those issues. The other obvious issue, maybe is because there's confusion. I'm, I'm, I'm closing now. I'm closing now. The... The issue of national treasure because it is the custodian of the procurement legislations. But isn't it time now that we use legislation as an instrument for localization and local industrialization and local production of goods and services uh, that, that, that can later on boost the economy in South in, Africa in terms of uh, what happens? Like we have to amend the PFMA and the MFMA to emphasize the centrality of local procurement, but also to include the aspect of women participating in procurement. It has to be legislatively enacted and established so that there's meaningful uh, 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 impact. The last question, which la- is not a question, it's a submission. I think that South Africa has to look into developmental partnerships that define the fastest growing economies in the African continent. So if you were to check the developmental partnerships that Egypt has entered into, that Tanzania has entered into, that Ethiopia Ethiopia has been growing at average 10% for the past 10 years, what form of developmental partnerships are they engaged in? And what role do they play in igniting real meaningful economic growth that create jobs, develop the productive forces, but also expand the revenue base. The revenue base. They, they, they might need to be a separate discussion in terms of how do we form developmental partnerships and even the role that the China is playing in terms of the Belt and Road Initiative in, in massive mega infrastructure programs that are taking place in the entire African continent. There's 12 projects in Tanzania, A lot of projects in Kenya, a lot of projects in Ethiopia, in Egypt, in Morocco, virtually every space is meaningful impact on the economy. Not this thing that you are doing of going to take loans from the World Bank and the IMF and all sorts of unsavory financial institutions which direct the content of your policy framework. And that money doesn't have impact. You cannot point at anything. That has been a consequence of uh, the interventions by the, 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 the loans that you have taken from the World Bank and the IMF and these other financial institutions. Those are some of the few observations that we we're making, Chair, but the fact of the matter is that we're celebrating nothing. And you must be ashamed of yourself that you just come here to celebrate nothing when, when there's a crisis. It's like organizing a celebration party for a doctor. 100%, if not 90% of the patients are dying. And then they say, no, he's a very good doctor because he gave them medication. But people are dying. But you keep on saying, no, oh, this is the best doctor in society. What is national Treasury doing? There's nothing that it is doing that is helping South Africa's economic s- situation. Absolutely nothing. And to continue to celebrate that is absolutely nonsensical. Thank you.
5: Thank you, Honorable Abram. <clears throat>
11: Yes, Chair. Um, thank you very much. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to raise my hand this late. I was I was driving, so um I really apologize, but I'll be very short. It's just three takers for from me. The, the the first one really is to take my hat off for the the, the ministry. Um, In the name of the African National Congress, we appreciate the the strides that have been made, but we also want to point out a few things that uh, we think uh, need to be addressed. The first one is the issue of uh, the loan guarantee uh, that was uh, given in um, 2020. And now, There were impediments about that. One uh, wants to know, have these been uh, resolved? Uh, If not, what guarantee do we have that we will not have the same poor take up this time around? The second one quickly, Chair, is the issue of long-term borrowing for municipalities. Uh, The minister speaks of secondary market instruments and municipalities are having access to these instruments. What is meant by this and what are the inherent dangers that you have experienced in existing arrangements? So that like the first question, we need to check what lessons did we learn? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? How are we going to do it better this time? Lastly, Chair, in the, in the budget review pages 164 to 165, and now it speaks of a capital flows management framework. Now, for me, this indicates that it allows institutional investors, 45% of funds offshore, up from 30% and 40%, depending on the type of investment. And from 1 billion to 5 billion offshore. Now, Chair, we're trying to, to, to lock investment into, in, in the country, in the productive sectors of the economy, yet the, the budget review seems to be taking the opposite direction. This takes, I mean, this takes investment away from the real economy to speculative investment. What is the rationale behind this? Thank you, Chair.
3: Thank you, Honourable members. Uh, Let let me come in before I allow the minister and the team to come in. Um, Let me join the, 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 the colleagues who are saying the budget that the minister delivered was under very difficult conditions. Uh, We all know that we are coming from COVID with uh, uh, the industries uh, closing, closing a lot of unemployment, people losing their jobs and so on. And the fact that we are able to get a better than anticipated revenue, I think it's a a definitely a welcome development. Also welcome the fact that uh, um, um, we're able to to maintain expenditure, just less than 60% going to the social wage, ensuring that uh, we, <clears throat> we, we take care of the most vulnerable sections of, of our population. The SRT grant uh, extension, it's, 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 it's also welcome. And as we have always said that the, the, this SRT grant is it's a temporary measure. would like to see uh, our people getting a, 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 a employment so that they can sustain themselves but under the conditions and we've had in, in, in our committees, um, organizations and individuals coming to make their presentations, praying for the extension of, 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 of this grant. So that's, that's definitely a, 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 a welcome a, a development. Um, <clears throat> I think on the, on the extension of the credit guarantee, guarantee scheme, um, 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 a minister I think there is a a, a, a new uh, approach that you are taking something that we have been saying from even the first quarter when only the banks were were identified as being the ones who are going to 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 benefit from the scheme and we said at that time why are the dfis left out it's for a simple reason that uh, the the dfis understand the market of of uh, uh, the the, the, the financial and economically excluded people. And we, we continued with the credit guarantee scheme, although COSAT was, 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 was coming also say the same thing. And some of the jobs that we lost at the time, I think we could have prevented it if we had, uh, 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 <clears throat> enlarged the net of uh, institutions to provide this guarantee scheme. The, so the, even the provincial DFI should be brought on board and on, 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 on this scheme because, uh, as you know, that only up, about 20% of of the money was accessed. So that goes to the question which has been raised as to, apart from this, what what else are we going to do to ensure that uh, this scheme is also uh, assessed by uh, the uh, <clears throat> the many people, especially from uh, rural areas and the, and the big companies? we. We are saying, we talk again about the the payment of 30 days to the service providers, providers, to the departments and our institutions. We know, uh, uh, Minister, that this is the song that we've been singing forever, but it doesn't happen. So my question is, what are you going to do differently? I don't need to go to the implications of not paying uh, uh, these small businesses on time. I sometimes say that, these businesses are being used as cash management by some of our government departments and they can't go to court, they don't have money. So what is it that we're going to do, to do differently to ensure that they are being paid uh, on, 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 on time? On time? And the, the decrease of, of a company income tax from 28 to 27%. I just want to check, uh, what is the hypothesis of the, of the department? When it comes to this? And has it been uh, uh, sold to or accepted by, uh, by the private sector, uh, whatever hypothesis that you, you, you are you are having? Uh, You'll remember that when that was introduced, which is a regressive tax, uh, it was supposed to be temporary. So perhaps expectations from some of us was that if we need to tamper with any tax. Uh, we'll, take, we'll, we'll tamper with that before we go to the company income tax. While well, I'm asking what is the hypothesis of this decrease in, uh, in, in company income tax, it's perhaps one of the, of, of, of the hypothesis that you may have is that they're going to reinvest uh, their profits. But you know that they have not been reinvesting. I saw one company which had made, which had made about 160% profit uh, only God knows how much of it is going to be reinvested. So um, I'm just saying that, don't you see a possibility of decreasing this, this tax that all what we'll be doing is that the executives will be get, get, getting more bonuses and this man again is going to be banked and hoarded, it and it's not going to be reinvested in the economy. I think it gives us an opportunity if you look at the, the consensus that the, the, the president uh, has, has, has spoke about. Uh, With uh, the private sector, with labor, uh, uh, government, and civil society. I think this gives us an an, an opportunity to say, as government, that's what we are doing and what are you doing. Amongst other things, we should be considered that there should be some commitment of reinvesting some of of, of this money. That's one. But two, we are having an economy which is bleeding jobs shouldn't we in the consensus are seeking and negotiations with these uh, companies, try to call for some form of moratorium in this culling the jobs by the private sector for some for some few months and so on, because um, the employment opportunities that government is creating, we find that we are creating jobs beside, and on the other side, people are losing their jobs. And in the process, they lose their houses, they lose their cars, and so on. I think a uh, uh, government having moved like it has moved with company income tax, there should be concomitant uh, coming in of, 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 of the private sector. And lastly, uh, uh, a <clears throat> minister, uh, the, the, the rating agencies themselves have identified poverty and inequality as some risk. As a sovereign risk, uh, and unfortunately, we see these um, indicators not improving. Uh, do we think that uh, with the steps that we are taking, we are going to be able to impact on that? And are we really measuring the the, the progress or level of that we are making? Not after a year, perhaps even on a quarterly basis, so that we see uh, what should we do? Okay, I think uh, the one I think I would love to 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 end with. It's well and good that now we're having this expenditure and it's going to all the departments. National Treasury would know very well that one of the things that has been raised uh, has been raised by uh, the, the committees is, is the question of lack of, of spending, uh, especially on, 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 on Capex, both by, by uh, government departments and by uh, SOCs. What are we going to do differently to make sure that uh, from the wet go when we start on the 1st of, of uh, April? Uh, governments are in a position to spend. Uh, Honorable, Honorable Minister, we leave it to you and and your team, and you'll only bring back the meeting to us once you are you are you you are done. So you indicate who's speaking and so on, and we'll be listening. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you very much, uh, um, Chairperson. And, and honoring members for um, your in, comments and inputs. Uh, the, the, the ARC observation comments is which we may not necessarily have to respond to observations and comments. People sometimes are entitled to their own observations and views. Uh, the There's an overriding issue, uh, which comes up from a number of honorable members, which is the rise in debt levels. Uh, if you ask us, that's our preoccupation. We would like to reduce that as much as we can, in order to make sure that more money is available for services. However, it's just something obvious. If you continue to add more items on your spending, on your expenditure. We are likely to increase debt. Uh, one member refers to the growing, for instance, last in the last two financial years, which I think were not alone, all other economies um, had to increase debt precisely because they had to fight the pandemic and support incomes, including countries that had fiscal rules. Even Germany, which had fiscal rules, had to... Uh, make an amendment to the fiscal rules in order to be able to to deal with the emerging situation. So in South Africa, we were no exception. So we had a higher debt. You will see on page 80 of the budget review, we're beginning to grapple with that question and pushing the debt downwards, given the fact that we have uh, settled that. But the colleagues are going to come and, and add Um, And so far, also, there's been a reference to state owned enterprises from different perspectives. State owned enterprises are useful to the extent that they fulfill a developmental mandate. Let me repeat this are useful to the extent that they fulfill a developmental mandate. In the party that I belong to, we use a formulation since 1992 in, in our document ready to government, which says we must be guided by the balance of evidence. And that has been something that has been guiding us to the date. Now, If you ask me, is SAAO still fulfilling that developmental mandate at the moment? Or is Autopex still fulfilling that developmental mandate? I would have difficulties, but there would be those that fulfill a developmental mandate, which we need to, even if they are failing, we need to resuscitate and make sure that they continue to develop Monday, mand- which we need. So for me, that is an I- important point. The issue of domestic savings, we're not short of savings in South Africa. We, in fact, city more than six trillion rand of savings in South Africa. The question, where is the uh, bulk of that going? So it, uh, I get the, the sense that we, we it's, the issue is not that we should not be incentivizing people to save. People are saving in, the, in different ways. But the savings that we see are not in most cases are spent in this speculative way. Um, The fuel price I indicated that the fuel price is a problem, more than 40% of what we pay is actually administered prices. Even the basic fuel price itself is not necessarily, even before you can add administered prices is need to be looked into. That's where the teams, uh, uh, our teams are working on that. In so far as it holds, what I want to place on record is one issue. Uh, There are people who have argued, including Outer for that matter, uh, that we should uh, put uh, the price of ETOL on, on the fuel price. And I've said already 40% of the fuel prices are at middle prices. If we add another 74 cents, which the calculation was made, we've made as treasure, that to compensate for this ETOL, we'll have to put another 74 cents. On the petrol price, massive, and this impact on on the working class, which people are trying to save, is because through the normal ETO, the taxes and buses were exempted. In this arrangement, in fact, we are putting a blunt instrument. By the way, even the uh, author has written a letter uh, to me on the first of December asking me not to put the, 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 this thing on the fuel price. So what are, what are the implications? The implications we've got to look at different options. It is my considered opinion, and I'm not saying the government position at the moment. The, the team, again, Department of Transport ourselves and the Hauden province uh, have put up a team Uh, to look into how do we deal with this issue? And we'll make an announcement in due course. But the principle I want to put on the table is that whatever we do, in my view, we should not kill the principle of user pay. Um, SAA is not in the system, Um, is not in the budget at the moment. I'm aware of the statement referred to. Um, what I do know is that the Department of Public Enterprises made a submission of 2.7 billion uh, to National Treasury and National Treasury a Division of certain and Liabilities is evaluating that submission. Further than that, there's nothing I can say. Uh, Parliament. We have not made any decision about any amount. We understand Parliament is a national asset. There's no doubt about that. Once we are provided with the request by Parliament and with numbers, we will make the necessary response and adjustment at the moment we have not been given any information as to how much will it cost and, and, and therefore so that we should apply our minds however the point we raised yesterday in the budget speech was we have re- received a couple of requests by people who said is there scope To mobilize national, build national cohesion and and, and around this national asset. And there are people who want to pledge some amounts. The question are the honorable members going to think that is just too much compromising on their independence? I don't know. It's something parliament and 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 the different political parties have got to make a judgment call on. Uh, I've met a number of people have made to this issue of that. In so far as basic income grants, we have not firmed a view at all on the basic in, in income grant. What we are saying are two things. What we are saying are two things. The first one is that there are a lot of grants in this system. We simply pile a grant over each other and so on and so on. Our view, before we can talk about any grant, let's review the grant system as a whole, and then saying what would be appropriate in our conditions. That's the first point we're making. The second point we're making is that if such a review leads to um, um, an increase higher than we're currently funding. Therefore, South Africans must be prepared to pay taxes. Now, it's quite important in in the sense that most people say, okay, we need to increase this, we need to increase that, but uh, uh, we don't want to pay, we want others to pay. It doesn't work that way uh, when you say we want tax. We must make this decision and know that it's a decision which is going to be biting on us because we'll have to pay the taxes uh, in order to support that we must not say no, no increase it but others must pay it doesn't work that way Uh, so i've answered a number of people asking so this review we will be making we hope that by the time we reach the medium-term budget policy statement would have Canvas of you in cabinet, which we can place on the statement. Um, the issue of the of local government is broader, which we need to, to take. This youth development, and yes, all of these things to me they looked at the same. um um um, colleagues that are around here will help me uh, add it i must make the point on inclusive growth we have always maintained that uh, we should do an inclusive is an ideal thing we should be striving for all our documents no exception including by the way the existing uh, uh, reconstruction and recovery plan is premised that a key fundamental objective must be an inclusive growth. The problem is, is at the level of implementation. I made the point uh, that uh, Professor Ricardo Hassman made the point to me, which is still sticking out in my head. He says that the problem with, with you guys, South Africans, you are not focusing on inclusive growth on bringing people into productive activity. You are excluding people into economic activity and your response is to compensate them for exclusion. So one of the things we should be talking to is to how much of our people are taking back into the productive activity. Those who going to be difficult to put into productive activity what kind of supporting? I agree that we may have to do that, but let's lose, not lose the bigger picture. Uh, 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 I accept on that, that there are good state-owned enterprises. We should not uh, paint all of them with the same brush. Is mm, yes, I agree with that. Uh, in so far as wage bill, I've refused to, to take a definite position uh, about what is to be done. What I'm stating across is that the wage bill is high. What causes it? the disagreement on the cause and if <laughs> of that. But the, as a percentage of, of, of spending, and as a percentage of GDP, it is high. What we need, therefore, we're going to a meeting on the 28th and 31st of March is to identify what the causes are and imagine which a solution. I may be accused if I, by unions if I put up a, a, a definite position now that I'll be negotiating in both faith now, it's all very well to say let's increase the 350 to whatever figure. But it's in it's, it contradicts the very view we said we must cut that service cost. Because if we increase it, we are we going to either increase taxes or a deficit. So we've got to balance all of these things. Uh, I think uh Honorable Shabambo's observations are noted because as he has said, they are observations and are noted, and he has got some interesting proposals on on what should be done. Uh, uh these are observations, these are policy positions he's articulating. Um we have, for instance, last financial year, if you can check on page 85 of the budget review, page 85 of the budget review, you will see that we have raised more money in the New Development Bank of about 2 billion US dollars, uh, which include China, by the way, <laughs> over 2 billion US dollars. Uh, it's transparent, is there in the budget review, page 85. Yeah uh, so to complain about 750 US dollars was far cheaper than the 2 billion we got from the, in, in terms of, in terms of the, the terms of, of, of the, end conditions are far cheaper than the one we got from the NDB is, is quite interesting. Um, so there are other policy positions which Mr. Shubhambo is raising, in my view, which Unfortunately, uh, our view, a policy, policy position of his party, which uh, when whatever day it takes over, they can implement them. I cannot make uh, once they win elections and take over the government, they can implement those positions. at policy positions are that's the why political parties differ. They differ ideologically on other things, so. Well, I cannot comment on their policy positions is there, but I'll comment on the practical issues. Um, And and, and I think a number of people have made reference to a grant, I've referred all of them to or responded to that. I take this issue chairperson of 30 days Payment is a fundamental problem, and we ourselves, as treasurer, undertake within the committee that we have dropped the ball. Uh, we uh, take it from me, We'll come back to both committees, and 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 it's a practical question which I think we've dropped the ball in terms of reporting, and we must name and shame, and we'll come back to to the committee on that. Insofar as rating agencies, uh, uh, they are on our radar screen. And as Mr. Dion George, have released something today. Um, among other things, they said last December, they changed from negative outlook to stable. Uh, that's, that's the speech. Well, that's what they said in their document uh, today. But part of the problem, if we were to rush for recognition Uh, by them, (laughs) we'll probably clash with all of you because we'll have to cut the deficits fast. We'll have to do a number of things and which may impact on service delivered. So we are balancing a number of things. We're cutting deficits and, and debt service costs, not because we want to parade in a beauty contest before the rating agencies. We're cutting these because it's in the interest of this economy because debt service costs are rising and therefore are crowding out other spending. For us, that's the primary focus at the moment. To the extent that that primary focus can get the attention of the rating agencies, it's going to be a bonus for us. <laughs> uh, so we are doing that, and I mean it on the 30 days, we will do whatever it takes to deal with that. I hope uh, my colleagues, DM and the team, we will take all other uh, issues I might have missed. Uh, DM, DG, and the team, thank you very much, Chairperson.
2: Deputy Minister of Finance, are you
7: coming in? The Resident General, are you coming in? Uh, yes, Chair. Um, I think the minister has covered a couple of things that uh, uh, were raised by honorable members. And I'm certain that my colleagues, uh, um, the officials, will also add. There was a question about what do we do with the debt service costs, um, because they, indeed, they are rising. The, the only way to reduce the debt service cost. Um, is simply to reduce the quantum of borrowing. Because as borrowers, that's the only thing that we can control. The people from whom we borrow money from, they determine how much we pay for what we have borrowed from them. So we've got to control um, our... Borrowing requirements or deficit, which means that we need to look very carefully at our expenditure, because we're not saying borrowing in itself is bad. It's it's the question of what are you borrowing for? And unfortunately, in the last few years, and we're trying to rein in on that, we've been borrowing to finance SOEs, um, unaffordable or above inflation wage, bill, as well as corruption, Um, as the minister was also indicating that uh, government is overpaying uh, some of the services that we procure from the uh, private sector, including infrastructure. So that has an impact on efficiency of our spending and available for money that we Uh, generate from hard-earned incomes by business people, uh, people who are employed. And we've always said that the most sustainable way of avoiding borrowing is to make sure that we grow our economy. And as the minister said, uh, the growth of the economy has to be uh, inclusive. So I think to answer the question on how can we deal with the rising debt service cost is simply to make sure that we don't increase um, our borrowing. And the best way of avoiding um, the IMF World Bank taking over uh, treasury as we've seen in other countries is to avoid growing our debt. Because it's countries that have increased their debts in which the economies were not growing and they could not eventually pay what they were owing. And they had to get somewhere to um, get financial support. And that's where they've, they've lost their sovereignty. So at this stage, we have not lost our sovereignty. And uh, the fact that the minister is still able to present the budget without being influenced by anyone externally, it demonstrates that uh, our sovereignty is still intact. And the best way of sustaining this national sovereignty is to exactly avoid uh, increasing our debt, which leads to debt service costs. I think the other questions, uh, Minister, you've answered them. I would not. Um... Yes, so 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 the, 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 there's a question posed by um, Honourable Honourable uh, about um, the logic behind decreasing tax, and I think it's right that um, that's part and parcel of uh, trying to increase uh, the rate of investment. Uh, in our country, but also attracting investment from outside. And indeed, it is not given that uh, savings from tax will naturally flow into investments. This can flow upwards to increase uh, uh, people's pockets. And therefore it's important for us to have that conversation with social partners on how we can increase the rate of investment. And from our side as government, we've said that uh, to increase the rate of investment we'll do our part, which includes um, undertaking all those structural reforms, which have lack of implementing of the structural reform, the supply of electricity and supply of uh, goods, transport, logistics, spectrum, scales, have been one of the major constraints for the private investment to come in. And as government, we have been implementing the structural reforms as uh, uh, colleagues on this platform will know, uh, as part and parcel of uh, making sure that uh, those better returns uh, by companies are also invested in our economy, because there's no way, The private sector globally and nationally will invest if we do not, you know, provide electricity, uh, provide better logistics, water, and uh, the necessary skills as well as the spectrum. Uh, Chair, thank you very much. And uh, Minister, let me hand over to you.
16: Thanks, Deputy Minister. I'm, I'm here sitting with the minister and colleagues. There, there are a number of other questions that colleagues will respond to, and I'll try and attempt to deal with some, but also dish out some of the questions. Um, more, can we deal with the with loan guarantee and also the, the capital flows management and institutional investors, the point that one of, one of the honourable members raised in page 164? And 165 of the budget, budget review. So if you can deal with that, please. And also the far-tough issue, financial action task force, it's it's tough Um and and yeah, so so if we can also just deal with those, but yeah, there's also general issues that members raised, just at a high level, in terms of what what was this budget and what what are we trying to say here? We're trying to say a couple of things and I've tried to capture those upfront in, in the forward of the budget review in terms of what we're saying, where this typical balancing act is something that we should continue doing and that we were attempting to do with uh, in proposing this budget to Parliament. To say, we, 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 there, there is a windfall. We, we don't treat this as a permanent arrangement. A windfall by nature is just what it is. It is temporary, and we're treating it as such. And that's why we said we will we will take a little bit of that, address our debt. Now, sometimes we are criticized for doing that and being told that Japan is, is running a 200% debt to GDP. I asked my counterpart last week at a G20 meeting, and I said to him, you know, but he says, hey, we've got lots of savings, and our manufacturing uh, is, 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 is is doing very well and we don't have issues. We can take more if you want to. And you don't have what we have. And that was a short answer. Uh, and I think you was preparing me already because I wanted to really understand what what is that that we can do differently compared to them and why can't we take more? But the answer is as we know it, um, you know, in terms of our base and our finances and our savings. So very, very low. So, yeah, so we should be worried as this debt increases to levels that are unsustainable. The, 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 what we said a few years ago, whether it's fiscal sustainability, intergenerational, uh, you know, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, equity, uh, you know, and, and, and debt reduction, should be should be the hallmark of our fiscal policy. And we we continue doing that. What we also did was to say as there's room to support the vulnerable and the poor. We did exactly that. And then we're able to extend the social relief of distress. And of course, carefully understanding that if it's more permanent in nature, we'll have to relook at, as the minister said, relook at all our grant framework and decide what we need to do. And at the same time, focus on proactive sectors of the economy talk about structural reform that we need to accelerate in the way that we have to. And also at the same time say, if we give a tax relief to, uh, to corporate it, it, and, and companies, it is it, it, it on its own can ignite the economy in the direction that we want to, uh, because <clears throat> uh, you know, we'll attract investments, we'll attract more companies to set up house in South Africa and then run away from those, uh, you know. Uh, uh, areas where where the income tax, per corporate income tax is much much higher. So there are positive spin-offs and the multipliers that obviously we'll see uh, as 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 this implementation of this goes goes the way we are. There is just to go. So so there there are those and identifying long structural constraints remaining, an you have to deliberately deal with them and remove them on the way. Um, and finally, I'm saying in this forward that and we have been positive when i say there is a light at the end of the tunnel it's not an oncoming train like some of my uh, colleagues were suggesting to say that if i put that sentence that it will be there's an oncoming train it's not an oncoming train it's, it's, we can see that by building the seeds and planting the seeds will certainly uh, reap at the right time if we have to do some of these basics right and then we've tried to mix to mix what we have to do so that that's the philosophy behind what we presented to Parliament Parliament yesterday. And we request therefore that this committee and subsequent committees should process it with a broad understanding of where we're going. There are also questions that we will deal with that are more general in in nature on the economy and the assumptions and where we will deal with those. And if need be, Chair Duncan will also come in because what Duncan is, Duncan is a is a cash manager of government and you know, liability management. They know when to buy, they know when to redeem debt, they know when to roll over debt, and 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 they know where to get money where it's cheaper. Uh, and, and obviously, we, with clear instructions from the center around, around some of the things that they should be looking at, around um, you know, binding South Africa's sovereignty. You know, if, if we have to talk about the issues that uh, some of the issues that the uh, honorable raised, raising, so but minister did deal with that uh, earlier on, so uh, I will give over minister to 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 be mm-hmm. oh, sorry, so momo first, and then we will then uh, Edgar will come right at the end to to close off some of the issues that we picked up, momo. If you can come in, please, and um, you know. And the commissioner, we are with the commissioner. I know he can broadly just deal with issues around the capacity of the tax administration to collect and and related issues that came came across around um where possible how we view and how we need to continue moving and ensuring that we we
4: collect at least what's due to us, Momo. Okay. No. Thanks, uh, G and Honourable Members. Good. I think it's good afternoon. Um, okay, let me start with the question, Gigi, you asked me to answer on the loan guarantee scheme. I think members are aware we did brief the committee that at some point, that obviously when COVID started, we rushed to put in a loan guarantee scheme. At that point in time, we weren't uh, aware at what, how, how strong or weak the take-up would be, because it's still ultimately alone. And in retrospect, I guess um, uh, though there was take-up, the scheme uh, did not start immediately. Bear in mind the banks themselves acted uh, and made certain uh, provisions for their own customers um, who were in distress. They delayed certain payments and so on, uh, gave them, uh, uh, you know, deferred payments and so on. By the time the scheme came into being, which was more like May, um, uh, I think many ha- of the customers had, on one hand, received some assistance, and we found that the take-up reached. I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but something like just under 20 billion rands. And uh, yes, we expected more, but in retrospect, I guess there were two issues that perhaps we were too conservative. The criteria were, uh, you know, we weren't taking as much risk as we should have given the fiscal uh, situation we're in. You know, we didn't want a lot of the guarantees to be called and perhaps banks themselves are not the best to reach small businesses. But be that as it may, I would still argue that the scheme was relatively successful if you take that and the measures that the banks took. And it's sort of more in line with what um, our uh, the, 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 the capacity of small businesses to take on debt would have been at that point. Uh, yes, I'm sure we could have done better, but uh, uh, for all these reasons, uh, that scheme came to an end last year because there weren't any too many new applications also coming in. The idea that we now have, and which has been announced, is to have a risk, uh, is, is to now not deal with companies that are in crisis, but companies that have suffered, small companies, and I think uh, we're looking at turnover or something of under 100 million rand, that that we're saying, can we take part of the guarantee that we had available and have a a product that will, where the state would accept more risk uh, and we make it a bit easier for companies uh, that want to grow coming out of COVID to use this mechanism. And we're also saying that we don't just want to use banks, we want to use CFIs and there are other small business um, uh, funding providers that uh, if they meet certain criteria, they would also be invited to join. They also need to put up a bit of their own capital. Then on that basis, we're hoping that uh, can we have a scheme which looks at you know a, a medium term loan of about five years um, uh, to these companies. Linked to that, we're also thinking of having a small equity component that some TFI's uh, uh, could offer so that there's a mix of of, uh, products. Um, Again, let me emphasize that uh, programs like these are experimental in nature. And we hope that once you see a take up and once we begin to understand uh small businesses and given that we do have a number of programs in government dealing with small business financing that hopefully we can uh it, it, we can monitor and over time improve the quality of products that could be offered i think we all recognize that um uh getting many more small businesses in south africa also has a more direct impact on employment and um, uh, we should do much more than we're doing and perhaps we also need to i would add just from a, personally that perhaps we need to look at many of the programs that we have which are also not as successful for whatever reason uh, and try and uh, fix as we're going along i don't know if Ukila, if you want to add any other points just on the on the scheme before i deal with some
17: of the other measures oh. Um, thanks, Mama. I'll, I'll just um, yeah, I think you, you got most of the uh, the numbers right. Just to maybe provide some additional data, the for the first loan guarantee scheme, the average loan size was about one point two million. Uh, as as you pointed out, the the total amount was about twenty billion, uh, with the total um, applications uh, for the scheme uh, being about being just over fifteen thousand applicants. On the regulatory measures that that you identified, um, Mama, there was restructuring support uh, facilitated by the Reserve Bank uh, totaling, at at the high point, um, around 350 uh, billion rands, which represented about 10% of the total bank's portfolio. So there was significant relief provided to both businesses and individuals over, over the, the, the worst periods of, of the lockdowns, uh, in addition to the 20 billion uh, rand that small um, businesses were able to access through the through the loan guarantee scheme. I'll stop there. Thank you, Brian. Okay, thanks, Akila. And then
4: uh, the GG the asked me just to comment on some of the other measures. I think I wanted to just point to honourable members, Zays and Annexure F, which deals with a whole host of measures taken on the financial sector. Many of them are not new. Um, they, you know, they are uh, just uh, either reporting on progress um, and perhaps adding on a bit, bit, a little bit more new information just to update it on announcements that have been made. So, for example, on the retirement side, uh, you know, we, we point out that Regulation 28 has been expanded, and we expect to, the minister will gazette the notice next month. Regulation 28 deals with maximum uh, limits on what uh, pension funds or retirement funds can, the uh, types of asset classes they can invest in. We've now um, uh, be- become much more explicit about uh uh trustees who can decide to invest in infrastructure um uh including you know uh um uh different forms of uh uh of uh, ways of uh, investing in infrastructure um through venture capital and private equity and so on um and um, we've taken two rounds of comments. I think we've refined it. There are some difficult issues like how do you deal with investments in crypto uh, assets and so on. So we're hoping that uh, this will, well, not we're hoping, we will uh, be gazetting this next month. So that will kind of make it much easier for retirement funds to invest uh, in the long term. We also are quite mindful that, uh, you know, many companies feel that um, once they have the headquarters in South Africa, they're not allowed to expand out of South Africa. And the more there's lower growth in South Africa, companies want to invest in other parts of Africa, in other parts of the world. And uh, we've tried to always encourage a policy where we want South African companies to grow. Overseas, uh, of course, in the country and overseas, but to do it from South Africa, not to shift their headquarters and to grow off a South African base. So, a number of measures have been taken, uh, limits on funds, we've harmonized across, um, we've uh, looked at uh, how uh, headquartered companies can. Uh, do what they want to do, their, their, their cash management practices, without coming to the Reserve Bank for continual approvals. We have a whole system of authorized dealers that can come in and be happy to come and provide more information on these. But I won't touch on on, on these. There's also, you know, the whole approach to climate disclosures, which helps investors and so on. So there's a number of measures that we've taken on this call. I want to move on also and just deal with some of the questions on tax. Since I've got the commissioner and Chris Axelson with me. Um, uh, Just on the tax, let me just start off by saying, I think there's been a number of questions, obviously on the sustainability of the mining boom, uh, whether we shouldn't be getting more tax. And I'll ask Chris to give the numbers. But I want to make the point that, That, you know, depending on what's happening in the global economy, what's happening in South Africa, at different times, some tax instruments sort of have their day and produce more revenue than others. Uh, It's often tempting to think that just because a sector is giving us more revenue, shouldn't we tax more? I think we, we must never forget what taxation is about. Companies want certainty. They are to invest in a country. They see what we're doing on on the tax system. If we seem to have a very ad hoc system and where, you know, if funds are flowing uh, and we begin to play with rates between sectors and so on, it introduces uncertainty. Investors notice and they feel, hold on, if that happens to us, um, these guys will tax us more. And so if you look at something like the corporate income tax and you look at the table, south africa is an outlier compared to the the countries we trade with our rate is high the incidence of a corporate income tax is ultimately on on their customers and we are under pressure especially uh, after the recent steps that the uk and the us took i know they went down far too low and um those have implications for us and so you know We've always felt that in tax policy, the golden rule is, can we widen our tax base? And the more taxpayers you have, and more tax compliance you have, and tax morality improves, uh, we can actually lower the rate. For many of the years, from 19, soon after 1990, say from 1997 to 2015, in a sense, that was the compact that we had with taxpayers. After 2015 and after state capture and the loss, uh, growing erosion of tax morality it became and lower growth, it really became more and more difficult. We've had to start raising taxes, which up to 2015, the major tax instruments were always downward. Obviously, there are small taxes that we've introduced, and some like fuel levies and so on have gone up with inflation. The SIN taxes have gone up. But when you talk personal income tax, corporate income tax, VAT. the approach has been to, to as I said, to widen the base uh, to the extent that we can, certainly with PIT and with, with, with CIT. We also have to look at the composition between direct and indirect taxes. South Africa becomes an outlier. So there's many considerations. And what we say is, you know, the ideal is tax policy must be boring and it's a blunt tool to reach any particular objective. So when we, for example, have one sector growing and there's high revenue, we do benefit in many ways, both directly, like on the mining side, there's certainly the mining royalty that we have, which is uh, Chris can provide the numbers. Um, But the downside is, is there are times when the same sector goes into decline. And if you're going to take on a windfall at the top, uh, we are under no more pressure than to support on the downside. So there are pros and cons. I'm not saying that we can't have legitimate discussions on those, but uh, there are signals that we send out to investors, and certainly in mining, it's a long-term investment as we uh, are aware. Uh, I think Honorable Berthalese asked a question. I'm not sure if I heard it right, but knowing where he comes from, uh, like myself, when VAT was first introduced and so on. I know we all resisted. We went into the streets. It was uh, the old apartheid government that had introduced it. And I don't know if that's what you were referring to, Honorable Kuthuleci, when you said that it was temporary. But I can assure you, it's like I say, you know, the fuel levy was introduced initially for revenue for the roads and so on. But today it's raised for a different reason. It's general revenue. and one could argue for it from an environmental perspective. So the VAT is a critical, one of our critical taxes, uh, raises a lot of revenue and uh, there is scope if we have a
12: problem to
4: deal with uh, with VAT. So I just wanted to make the broad point. I don't think that by any means, the VAT is temporary, it's very much part of our uh, of our permanent tax structure and one of the core Taxes that we have. Um, uh, I don't know, Chris, if you want to come in and then the commissioner. Commissioner, do you want to? I think that there was a question, and Commissioner, you can come in on tax avoidance. I think, you know, that's like a game of whack a uh, Every year, when we have, uh, you know, our tax laws, uh, a lot of it is to try and deal with tax avoidance as we come across, and a lot of it comes from from our colleagues at SARS, as they, as they come up with, with uh, aggressive tax structuring, we try and close it down. So on the margin, that's what we do all the time. But until you actually make something, uh, you prohibit something, uh, those that do tax avoidance, I think Anwar Shvambo has referred to that, um, it, it, I mean, technically it's legal. So it's very hard to deal with it when they've done it. The question is, can we stop it and can we, uh, in a sense, make what's happening tax evasion or make it illegal for the future? So there's complex legal issues that come in. It's not just specific to South Africa. And yes, we're always open to looking at ideas on how to do better, Uh, but uh, there's no easy solution to it. And when I say it's like mole, not that I've ever played that game, but you whack it here and then something pops up somewhere else. And there's very clever people behind doing the structuring. They get the best lawyers and so on. But the commissioner, I think, can uh, talk much more about this. Thank you, honorable members.
18: Thank you. Um, Chairs and and honorable members. I think on the issue of SARS capacity and capability, um, it's helpful if I share some examples, because you you may very well uh, think and have the right to ask, uh, when SARS talks about rebuilding capacity, what exactly does it mean? Um, so you will know, for example, that um, you will know that um, we have lost since 2014 over 2,000 staff. Uh, as, as an example, you will know that uh, we have had to pause on the, um, on the modernization program. So what do our people do? And what do we do to administer the laws is quite an important uh, um, uh consideration for us let me give you an example um just because the economy produces a particular um, output does not mean that taxpayers diligently pay that money or that they pay it on time having said that therefore we have to have the ability to detect those areas of non-compliance as well as respond to it. Um, so give me, let me give you one or two examples. In the area of debt collection, taxpayers do not necessarily pay the monies that are due. In the current year, SARS has had to follow up and resolve 2.4 million cases And in resolving it has issued 24,000 letters of demand. It has um, instituted 5,500 civil judgments. It has engaged 306,000 third party collection agencies and many, many phone calls and follow ups and SMSs. The result of all of that has yielded 47 billion Rand in the revenue that the minister announced yesterday that would not have been there if we did not have the capability to follow that up. Now, increase our capability and we can move the number of cases we've resolved from two and a half million to three million to five million. And that's why capability is important. Let me take another example. In syndicated crime, which is huge in South Africa, and sadly, we all have to concede that South Africa is not always as law abiding and corruption and criminality is rife throughout society. So we have conducted in syndicated crimes, 650 investigations. And through those investigations have raised 18 billion, uh, sorry, 11 billion of additional assessments. All of that will be followed through, but these are complex investigations taking teams of people um, that have to take on smart people and criminals to bring them to book and to resolve these issues. In the, in the, let me take one example in tobacco and cigarettes, we are not doing anywhere near enough to fight the scourge. But what have we done? We have, for example, in the during the pandemic period, we have confiscated almost 400 million uh, uh, um, sticks of cigarettes to the value of over 430 million rand. We have raised an additional 18 billion of assessments because of the audit work we have done in this area. We have canceled three licenses of, of clearing agencies, liquidated another, handed over eight cases for criminal in the further criminal pursuit. In working with the NPA, we have handed over 220 cases that we have completed the civil work on and have detected criminality. And we hand over prosecution-ready files to the NPA. Included in this, by the way, were 43 PPE procurement corrupt cases. We have this year had 113 successful convictions, including 11 uh, PPE convictions. We've only had three acquittals. To prepare those cases, to prosecute them, requires people. In the area of customs, similarly, we have conducted over 3,700 search and seizure operations, successfully had 348 detentions, and uh, yielded a, cust- a customs value of detentions of 3.5 billion rand. And I can carry on with more examples. Let me turn briefly to the area of a big issue of VAT refund fraud. And this is out and our taxpayers, honorable members, who target the VAT system in order to steal from the state. The biggest opportunity there is VAT refund fraud. We process year to date about 3.5 million VAT returns. Included in that will be over 650,000 battery returns that have a credit, in other words, a potential refund um, of 266 billion. That's the biggest uh, 90% almost of all refunds that we pay out. Of that, we have already paid out 212 and we have conducted audits on 37% of those. Uh, cases. I can share with you that because of the audit and investigation work that we do, we were able to prevent the outflow of 30 billion of refunds that would either have been impermissible, unlawful, or even criminal. in In the case of personal income tax, similarly, we have to process 5.3 million uh, returns to date, including refund. Uh, uh, claims on the refund system of 30 billion. We have paid out 20 billion, selected 10 billion for audits. And of that which we have selected, almost 8 billion have had to stop. So I can share with the members that just this year, because of the work we have done, we have prevented the outflow of 55 billion of refunds. We have collected an additional 6.6 billion from the syndicated crime investigations another 5.8 from the compliance working customs, And when the minister says we we will overperform by 182 billion, you have a sense of what the activity is that SARS has to prosecute and execute to secure this revenue for us. In terms of modernization, we cannot process the data and we cannot uh, process all of our work manually. So the investment into technology, into data science, into artificial intelligence is what allows us to detect the fraud. And then, of course, human beings have to still apply their mind to it. The investment of this technology has allowed us this year to provide assessment outcomes to 3.4 million individual taxpayers who have been able to experience a seamless experience where 90 of them would have had an assessment outcome in under five seconds. And over 80% of them, if they were not selected for audit, would have received their payment in under 72 hours. Do we have more challenges? Absolutely. Do we have service failures? Absolutely. But I am encouraged and would like to share with the members that we are progressively strengthening the tax collection system so that you can have the assurance that the mandate of SARS and the legal obligations of taxpayers to pay their taxes, that we will leave no stone unturned to ensure that every cent is collected. But it is hard work. We have a long way to go. We will not declare victory because we know our own shortcomings. We also know the capability both in technology as well as in people that still has to be invested. Our ports of entry, our ports are not modern. We have information. Uh, um, exchange difficulties between the agencies, uh, all of which introduces time delays and have an impact on the economy. With the launch of the Africa Free Trade Agreement, that's going to be a huge risk to us, which if we don't address it, will continue to compromise the economy of South Africa. Thank you, Chair and members. Hello to
4: Dondo.
18: Dondo, I hand it back to you.
2: Yeah. No
6: we yeah. yeah, we we've kind of finished uh chairperson. Unless there's another round. Are you still there, Chairperson? I'm, I'm cordially. No, I'm saying from our side we're finished. Okay. Uh, and okay. We're approaching 20 past three now. Okay, remember, colleagues, uh, the
5: schedule time uh, allocation for committees is almost uh, is it three hours. So now we have taken, uh, we started what time? Was it half past 12? Yeah. We're left with uh, 10 minutes. Okay. If ever there are those who want to do quick follow-up, make uh, short statements or short questions, and then the minister responds in the next uh, 10 minutes. Honorable Shwam.
3: Thank you. I have asked a question about the PI. I not the to, to what is the role of the yeah, but what? I will
6: you. What, what is the... uh, can you. What is be audible?
5: Oh, not... I
3: asked a question about the,
5: the PI's role.
3: That is And then. I asked the question about the process of African bank and creation of a state bank. And, and the minister contemptuously says, no, it's your policy which will implement the, uh, when you take over government. But it, I thought it's ANC policy as well, but also it was was, was a process which was reported here. I thought there was an the handover when they, they said you were, you were going to be minister of finance. Didn't they tell you what was happening before you arrived? was there was a process which parliament had to be appraised on in relation to the creation of a state-owned bank and, and, and how that had to deal with the, the, uh, the African bank and the Southern Reserve Bank and all of those things, that it can be a regulator and be an owner of a bank and they had to exit there in terms of uh, what happens. But the other issue which it's maybe it's a question of ignorance as well. It's the issue of the developmental partnerships that we're talking about with some of the financial institutions in China, not the new development Bank, like not the money which you go and borrow to throw into a bottomless fiscal. Talking about developmental partnerships and I even gave specific examples of the mega projects that are run in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Egypt, Morocco, everywhere else in the continent where there is meaningful developmental partnerships, which of course will include some concessional loans and a variety of other things. And that is what we're talking about. So if you do not know, don't attribute something else to what you do not know. So you can then say that you're going to go look for further information or you should be provided so that you are able to then deal with these things differently. And the other issue which is not clear is that there's no empirical relationship between cutting company income tax and further investment. It has never happened in a way. Like, you're just enriching the company owners. There's, there's never been a relationship. Even the IMF has questioned against that. Like, the people whom you look up to, they've questioned against... Just cutting company taxes, would they hope that is going to generate investment? There's no relationship, there's no causality that defines tax reductions for companies and further investments or jobs and everything else. You just want to enrich the people who are owning the company, and that is that is what it is in terms of
16: uh, how we handle this.
3: But the specific questions I've asked in relation to the state bank, the PIC might even add the sovereign wealth fund. All of those things that we have made commitment, you said going to update us on. Let's get an update in this meeting, please.
6: Okay,
5: thanks,
10: Honourable Honourable Thank you very much, Chair. Thanks for the second bite. I do appreciate it, um, Minister. The uh, zero-based budgeting was a big uh, uh, buzz phrase that was thrown around uh, at the last budget, and we were told that there was a pilot. Uh, project happening, and we were going to see how it it went. I'm surprised we haven't had an update on that pilot project and perhaps uh, a a rededication or an affirmation of of, of the uh, Treasury's position on zero-based budgeting. Um, Just out of interest, Busisiwe Mavuso from the uh, Business Unit in South Africa wrote an excellent article in the Business Day um, um, earlier this week about that, uh, which is worth a read. The second issue, uh, Minister... Relates back to a comment that Minister Boweni made on the 19th of March last year, uh, about the 50 million US dollars that had been stolen out of the safe at the state security agency. And he did say that if that money didn't find its way back uh, to where it belonged, that he would be cutting the state security agency's uh, budget. Um, has that money found its way back? And where are we on that particular issue? Please uh, do you have a similar stance as Minister Mbaweni? Are we aren't ever going to find that money back? 50 million US dollars would go a long way to putting some food on some people's tables. Thank you, Chair. Uh,
5: thanks, uh, Honorable Raida. Um, Honorable Minister, uh, over to you. In the, la- in the next uh, six minutes, you can respond to those questions raised by the two members. Then we close at half past three.
6: Yes. Uh- The, I I will need to follow up on the 15 million. Uh, I need to follow up on that. Uh, I I don't have an answer right now. And I can't even say whether I'll take a similar stance. I need better information before I could make such a decision. In in so far as zero-based budgeting, we, We we will make a statement, a definite statement in in the medium-term budget policy statement. It's not an easy thing to do, um, but we're engaging on it as we speak. We've set up a team which has been looking into departmental budgets. And on the basis of that, we will be making a statement. In so far as the state bank is concerned, the government has a state bank in the form of the post bank. The instruction I have from the president is that I must make sure that that state bank is functional. I don't have instruction for the African bank from the state, from the president, as far as I know. His instruction to me is to make sure that we, I can finish all the regulatory issues uh, um, affecting the, the post-bank. Um, uh, what was so The PIC, I'll ask the uh, DM as uh, somebody who has got uh, operational responsibility, a share of the PIC to deal with that. The rest of the other stuff, all these developmental partnerships, I repeat my point, uh, uh, um, uh, it, once they are in government, again, they can pursue those developmental partnerships. They will be at able to do that. Uh that's why people go to an election, they come with different policies and different partnerships they want to do that. That's what a democracy is about. So uh he's at liberty to pursue those policies. Like like who's who's okay. okay. Okay, proceed, Minister. Uh, the Deputy Minister will pass, will respond to the, on the PIC issue. He has got oh, some yes. operational.
5: Okay, Deputy Minister, over to you.
7: Thanks, Chair. Um, I think it's important to start by saying that the um, whatever investment we. Uh, make on behalf of the clients we've got to make sure that there's better returns uh, for the uh, the the savings uh, because the those uh, funds are deferred uh, wages uh, of the workers and we've got to manage those funds uh, responsibly in making sure that there's better returns And in doing so, it's important that uh, we also contribute towards uh, economic growth uh, because it is um, those savings that uh, generate enough capital uh, in the economy for that capital to be deployed um, for the growth uh, of the economy. But as as all of us agree that it's important to have uh, an inclusive uh, economic growth and a a transformed uh, economy, and not only from the point of the demographics um, of the country in terms of gender, race, youth, uh, because it's very critical that uh, the, economy of South Africa should also reflect the demographics uh, of uh, our country uh, in all respects, in terms of gender, race, um, including, uh, by the way, making sure that the workers as well who are running uh, uh, companies, they also benefit out of the changes that have to take place in as the ownership as well as a control. But it's like I said, it's not just about the demographic, but also the industrial structure of uh, our country. Uh, if you look at our GDP composition, it is largely primary sector, the financial sector. The manufacturing, uh, 24% of the GDP, it has significantly gone down now to uh, can share the exact figures in that regard. So it is dealing with the uh, the issues that the PIC has gone through in the past to to position it in such a way that what has happened in the past doesn't happen, and our uh, of, 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 of the clients, uh, in this instance, the public servants who are saving money and making sure that we deploy it in a manner that is um, uh, grow as well as as, as transform the the economy. Uh, thank you, Chair. I hope uh, I've answered uh, the question posed by Honourable Shwombo.
5: Okay. Uh, yeah. What's happening here? Council. Where do I go? Okay, there we are. Uh, Thanks very much, uh, uh, Deputy Minister, Uh, Minister, uh, colleagues from the four uh, committees, uh, standing and select committees, uh, officials from Treasury, Commissioner, Sir. We are meeting
3: again on Tuesday? No, no, before closure on the, on the, because I thought the deputy minister is going to give us. No, I know that, but can we be given a report on the update on African bank? Because in the meeting here, the recently outgoing minister of finance said that the deputy minister has been mandated with the task of establishing a state-owned bank and that would take into consideration the african bank so the current minister says there's a different mandate but can we be given an update of where is that report which the deputy minister was mandated to then deal with what, what is happening with that we will just leave it like that when there was a commitment here that the committee will constantly be updated about it
5: where is it okay we'll get the report on the uh, fourth of uh, on friday when the uh, uh, treasury responds Let's for now uh, uh, adjourn and thank everybody who has uh, been participating in this meeting the Minister, Deputy Minister, Honorable Members, National Treasury, SARS, uh, media, uh, the support teams, uh, the entire support team from Parliament, from both both NA and and NCOP. Thanks very much. Uh, We'll be meeting again on Tuesday. Uh, the 1st of March uh, at 9 o'clock to get the briefing by FFC and PBO uh, on the uh, budget. Uh, Thanks very much, uh, colleagues. Uh, The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. (laughs) Chair. Well done,
2: thank you.